All right, good evening, Grace Point. Thursday night teaching. Welcome in. Anybody else that's listening, Father, I pray you open the eyes of our heart, open the eyes of our understanding, and grant us a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Lord, reveal to us who Jesus is and always glory. We want to know and we want to follow Jesus. We can't do it without you. You're the one that opens our hearts and minds. We humble ourselves, Lord. We want to obey you. We want to bring honor to you with our lives. We want to know and believe the truth. We don't want to lie on the Sadducee side. We don't want to lie on the Pharisee side. We want the truth, Lord. We're praying for that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so last week Jesus asked Peter, he says, who do you say that I am? And that's the important question, right? And he said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Then he goes on to say, but I say unto you that you are Peter And upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, I really do believe the rock that he's talking about upon this rock. Some people believe that God was going to build the church on Peter. And there is truth to that because Peter was the head of the church in Jerusalem. However, Jesus is in no way saying you're the first pope, okay? Popeism... I don't want to say popery because that's demeaning. I'm not demeaning, you know, Catholicism. It's wrong where it's wrong. But Jesus is not establishing a pope and a following of a pope. It's not what he's doing here. He does, in a manner of speaking, build the church on Peter because Peter's the leader of the church in Jerusalem. But in reality, the Gentile church was not based on Peter, but it was based on Paul. Paul was the apostle. Even in his own writings, he says, I am the apostle of the Gentiles. So if there was ever a first pope, if there was one, it would have been Paul. Because the church right now is mostly the Gentile church. By 180 AD, the church had almost entirely the power structure of the church and the leadership in the church had entirely gone from the Jewish nation and had been turned over to the Gentiles, just like Jesus said it would, which we'll be getting into when we get over there in Matthew 24. But I don't believe that's all he had in mind here. And even specifically, I don't believe that's what Jesus had in mind here. What he was building on was the rock of the confession that that Peter made and the rock of revelation. The rock he was building on is that his father was the one that revealed who Christ was. It's the spirit that reveals. It's the rock of revelation. God is going to build his church on the revelation of who Christ is. Now, it doesn't take much to prove that in the scriptures. Colossians 1.27, Christ in you is the mystery that was hidden from ages past and is the hope of glory. Ephesians 4, that God is revealing everything that Jesus is to us, right? And over and over in the scriptures, Galatians 2.20, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. That's what God, Paul says, God revealed Christ in me. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. That's the rock of revelation, It's the rock of revelation about who Jesus is and what he did 
for the believer. And he says that's what the church is going to be built on. And there could be a sense that it was built on Peter. I'm not going to totally just wipe that out, but he certainly wasn't the first pope. There's no, there's just no, there's not any sense of that in this scripture. And he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he charged his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. Now he's going to talk about this binding and loosing later. I remember one guy said that that binding and loosing was only about forgiving because he was reading out of Matthew chapter 18. He's talking about forgiveness there in some context. But here he talks about binding and loosing. And there's not, no mention about forgiveness whatsoever in this text. Binding and loosing, Jesus is teaching Peter about his authority as a believer. And, and he mentions that I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Those keys he already talked about in Matthew 13 and Mark chapter 4. He said, this is the mystery of the kingdom of heaven. This is the key. The sower sows the word. So Jesus is giving Peter revelation knowledge and understanding. And those are the keys to the kingdom. What? Spiritual revelation are the keys to the kingdom. No one can come to God unless he's drawn by the Spirit. It is the Spirit that quickeneth. We get our understanding through the Spirit. We get the keys to the kingdom by the Holy Spirit. And of course, they're concurrent and in agreement with the Word because the Word and the Spirit are one. Jesus preached the Word and He demonstrated by the Spirit. The Word and the Spirit are in perfect agreement. And Jesus is telling Peter, I am giving you the keys to the kingdom. And that's the rock of revelation. So whatever you bind on earth is going to be bound. And whatever you loose in heaven is going to be loose because you are going to have authority. Because you're going to have the keys. Amen? Does the believer, the everyday believer, have those keys? Absolutely. Paul prays in Ephesians 1 that the eyes of your heart would be opened, that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 10, Paul tells the believer that you have fullness in Christ, that you are complete in Him, who is the head of all principality and power. And you could just go on and on about the, the authority of the believer. You have authority to bind and loose in the name of Jesus. And he kind of sums this up in verse 20. He says, Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he, Jesus, was the Christ. See how he bookends that? Peter says, You're the Christ. Then Jesus talks about that. And then he says, Don't tell anybody. That's how you know hermeneutically. That's what the whole conversation there, as he's talking, when he says, he says, uh, when he cut verse 13, who do people say the Son of Man is? They tell him, and then he charges that they should tell no man that he's the Christ. That bookends that section right there. 
he's talking about the revelation that he's Christ. And on that revelation that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, you're going to have the keys of the kingdom and you're going to have authority. And whatever you bind on earth is going to be bound on earth. And whatever you loose in heaven is going to be loosed. Isn't that powerful? Think about that for one second. The authority of the believer. I really believe we have more authority in prayer than we can imagine. We have more power with God, I think, than we, than we really realize. I was reading um, and teaching last week on Sunday morning about how Jesus said in John 16, 23 and 24, he said, whatever you ask the Father in my name, I'll do it. And I know all the excuses and the reasons why that can't happen come up in our carnal mind, but Jesus didn't even put any caveats on it or any exclusions. He said, whatever you ask the Father in my name, I'll do it. He says the same thing in 1 John, I believe, 3.22. He says um, that he hears our prayers, and because he hears us, we have those things that we ask from him. We have them. Just like he said in, in John 16, 23, and 24. In John 14, I think 13, he says the same thing. He says, whatever you ask the Father in my name, I'll do it. Hitherto, you haven't asked, ask so your joy can be filled. We have more authority and power in prayer than we, we can imagine. God's revealing the authority of the believer and our position in Christ. And Jesus is saying, because you know who I am, you've got the keys to the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth is going to be bound on earth. Do you ever bind things on earth? Do you ever loose things in heaven? It's powerful. These things were all given to Peter by revelation. It's the same way we get them as we're studying the scriptures and going through the scriptures and we're in prayer asking the Lord to reveal to us what he's teaching. Who is Jesus? What does his life mean to me? What does it mean that Christ is in me? What does it mean that Jesus lives in me? What does it mean that I'm conforming to his image? What does that mean, Lord? How do I work that out in my life? What a high honor. What a privilege. How do I work out? Christ lives in me. How does that work out in my life? And we'll pick up right there next week. How long was that one, Brian?